Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast. Episode 51, The Estonian Republic in the Years 1991 to 1997. We are now finishing up with the book, History of Estonia, published in 1997, which is where the book ends the timeline, in 1997. Which is interesting enough to me, because this is the year I moved to Estonia. This book was written by Tonu Tonberg, Ein Mestolu, Tonis Lucas, Matti Lauer, and Ago Payer. In the last episode, we covered the singing revolution, the Baltic chain. Estonians openly discussed the crimes of the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact in public and without retribution. On November 16, 1988, the Supreme Soviet of the Estonian SSR declared independence. And on September 6, 1991, a couple of weeks after a failed coup d'etat in Moscow, the state Soviet of the USSR recognized the total independence of the Baltic states. And on September 17th, Estonia was accepted into the United Nations as a sovereign state once again. So wow, that's it. Estonia is now an independent state. Uskumatu. Let's dive into what Estonians did with their newly found independence. Building a Constitutional State After restoration of sovereignty, the process of building a constitutional governmental power began. The draft of the new constitution was compiled by the Constitutional Assembly by the end of 1991, and a nationwide discussion of the draft took place. By a referendum on the 28th of June, 1992, the Constitution was accepted and it came into force on the 3rd of July, 1992. Simultaneously, preparations took place for elections to the Rigikogu and for a new state president on the basis of the election law adopted in April, 1992. Political groups also started to organize for the elections to be held on the 20th September, 1992. By the summer of 1992, coalitions had been formed and their preferences for presidential candidates had become clear. And these were Arnold Rutel, Leonard Meri, Rain Tagepera, and Lagle Parek. In the first round of the presidential elections, None of the candidates received more than half of the votes. Therefore, the Rigi Kogu had to choose as president one of the candidates who had received the majority of the votes. Either Rutel with 195,743 votes or Mary with 138,317 votes. On the 5th of October, 1992, the Rigi Kogu elected Leonard Mary as the president of the newly independent Estonian Republic. In the elections to the Rigikogu, eight coalitions, five parties, 39 associations, and 25 individual candidates participated. About 67% of the citizens entitled to vote took part in the elections. Representatives of nine coalitions or parties were elected. Pro-Patria, which had the biggest representation in Rigikogu, formed the government in coalition with the Estonian National Independence Party and the Moderates Coalition. The leader of Propatria 
Mart Lar became the head of government. After the elections to the Rigikogu, the Congress of Estonia and the Estonian government in exile were dissolved. At the end of the 1992, the Rigikogu appointed Wright Maruste as chairman of the Supreme Court, and the beginning of the following year, Erik Johan Truvali was named legal chancellor. On the 27th May 1993, the Supreme Court held its first session in Tartu. Thus, the basic foundation of statehood had been laid by the spring of 1993. Legislative power, which was the Rigikogu, executive power, which was the government, and the judicial authority, the Supreme Court. Transition to a market economy. The restoration of independence created the political and economic preconditions for the transition to a market economy. The monetary reform carried out in the summer of 1992 became the foundation of economic reform. The Estonian krone was tied to the German Deutschmark at the ratio of one Deutschmark for eight krones. Monetary reform gave Estonia a chance to leave the ruble zone and focus its economic policy on Estonian needs. In a couple of months, a balance was achieved and the domestic economy and inflation slowed down. The Estonian economy became open to the West and economic integration of Estonia into Europe is a process which cannot be reversed. On the 1st of January, 1995, a free trade agreement between Estonia and the European Union became effective. In 1997, more than 60% of the Estonian economy was linked to member states of the EU. In addition, Estonia concluded agreements on free trade with several other European countries, Norway, Latvia, Lithuania, the Czech Republic, and others. In the process of transition to a market economy, important roles have been played by privatization, development of banking, property reform, and restructuring Soviet agriculture on the basis of the private farm system. All these processes, especially reorganization of agriculture, developed with difficulty and was met with setbacks. Development of the legislative environment promoting enterprise and keeping the state budget in balance facilitated better agreements of economic life. In the years 1992 to 1995, on average, 12,000 to 14,000 new businesses were opened. The growth of the role of small business, the private sector, and foreign investment were characteristic features of development. Withdrawal of Foreign Military Units For the consolidation of independence, it was vital that the occupying army should leave Estonia and its military bases, including the naval bases in Tallinn and Poldiski, needed to be closed. In September 1992, there were about 40,000 soldiers of the Russian army on Estonian territory. About 2% of the territory of the state were in the possession of foreign military forces, on which 570 military units of various sizes and functions were located. International organizations and the public supported the idea that foreign forces had to withdraw from Estonia. In November 1992, the General Assembly of the UN adopted a resolution on the withdrawal of foreign forces from the Baltic countries. 
The issue of removing the military forces was one of the main questions of the negotiations between Estonia and Russia. Russia tried to link the withdrawal of its military forces to a demand of changing Estonian domestic legislation, including the law for citizenship, and later for compensation to be paid to Russia. A breakthrough in the negotiations was only achieved in July 1994 at the meeting of the presidents Boris Yeltsin and Leonard Mary in Moscow, which took place due to the support of the Western countries. At their meeting, the heads of state signed agreements on withdrawing the military forces from Estonia and giving social guarantees to those retired from military service. According to these agreements, the Russian military left Estonia on the 31st of August, 1994. The Estonian Republic provided army pensioners who stayed in Estonia with an option to apply for a residence permit. A separate agreement was concluded about abolishing the Paldiski Training Center and dismantling the nuclear reactors. These tasks were completed by the 31st of September, 1995, according to the agreement. The agreements were approved on an international level and strengthened the international position of Estonia. Within Estonia, they caused sharp political debates. From the point of view of the development of Estonian statehood, the withdrawal of the military served as an endpoint in the process of regaining independence. Development of statehood from 1993 to 1997. According to the constitution adopted in 1992, Estonia is a democratic parliamentary republic where the supreme power of state is vested in the people. The development of legislative and executive power has indeed progressed in the framework of the Constitution. According to the Law on Parties of 1994, a multi-party system has developed. The government, which includes the Prime Minister, 12 ministers, and two ministers without portfolio, acts according to the law of the government of the Republic adopted in 1995. In March 1995, elections to the Rigikogu took place, in which seven coalitions, nine parties, and 12 individual candidates participated. About 68.9% of the citizens eligible to vote took part. The majority of votes were received by the Coalition Party and the Rural People's Union, which altogether gained 41 seats. Presidential elections were held in 1996. According to the Constitution, the president had to be elected by a two-thirds majority in the Rigikogu. The different political groupings nominated two candidates, Leonard Mary and Arnold Rutel. But at the elections which took place in the Rigikogu on the 27th and 28th of August 1996, neither candidate received the required majority. Thus, the president had to be elected by electoral college which assembled on the 20th September, 1996. Besides the members of the Rigikogu, the Electoral College included representatives of all local councils. The Electoral College nominated three more candidates, Tune Kelum, Siri Ovir, and N. Tugu. Though none of these three made it to the final round of the election, on the 20th of September, the Electoral College elected Leonard Mary the President of the Estonian Republic, with 196 votes, Arnold Rutel, 
received 126 votes. The legal system of Estonia has been built on the basis of the principle of legal continuity, following the example of the legislation of the member countries of the European Union. The main legislation regulating the function of the state and its economy has been adopted. The Estonian legal system is related to the continental legal system and is based on Roman law. The Estonian court system has three stages, county and city courts, circuit courts, and the Supreme Court. The court system relies on the law of the courts and the law of the status of a judge adopted in 1991. Judges are appointed for life. The legislation of the Estonian Republic does not allow discrimination against people on the basis of their nationality, race, sex, profession, financial or social status, religion, or cultural background. Everyone has the right to preserve his or her ethnic or religious identity. The law of cultural autonomy, adopted in 1993, grants ethnic minorities, with at least 3,000 members, with the rights to unite and form institutions of self-government prescribed by legislation in order to preserve their identity based on culture, religion, or language. In addition to the governmental bodies, non-governmental organizations deal with the problem of human rights. The most important of these are the Estonian Institute of Human Rights and the Presidential Roundtable. The Estonian Republic has joined several international agreements on human rights. Estonia signed the European Convention on Human Rights and has accepted the principles of the documents of the Organization of Security and Cooperation in Europe, adopted in Helsinki, Vienna, Madrid, and Copenhagen. On the 22nd of March, 1996, the Rigi Kogu ratified the European Convention on Human Rights. The people who came to Estonia after World War II posed a serious problem. The Law of Citizenship, adopted in 1995, regulates the relationship of non-citizens with the Estonian Republic. Various missions, the OSCE, the UN, the Council of Europe, and international institutes that have studied the state of human rights in Estonia have found no considerable violations. The international policy of the Estonian Republic is clearly directed to the West. In order to become as closely involved as possible with Europe and not to be tied to the East, to Russia, again, due to the geopolitical location of Estonia, the most secure guarantees to its sovereignty would lie in joining the North Atlantic Treaty Organization and the European Union, which by now both have succeeded. The process of integration towards that end has developed favorably due to the stability of domestic policy and successful economic policy. On 14th of May, 1994, Estonia was accepted as a full member of the Council of Europe. Simultaneously, preparations began to join the European Union. On the 9th of May, 1994, Estonia became an associate member of the European Union. Estonian cooperation with NATO has also been successful, and on the 3rd of February, 1994, Estonia became a member of Partnership for Peace. Estonia is also an associate partner for the Western European Union. Cooperation on defense with NATO 
and neutral countries has essentially strengthened the Estonian defense forces and thus gradually created the practical precondition for joining the defense structure of Western Europe. In the foreign policy of the Estonian Republic, a central place is occupied by the Nordic countries and the other Baltic states, Latvia and Lithuania. Cooperation with the other Baltic countries mainly took place through the framework of two organizations, the Baltic Council of Ministers and the Baltic Assembly. On the 13th of September, 1993, a free trade agreement between the Baltic countries was signed in Tallinn. The three Baltic states also joined into a joint visa zone. There was a close cooperation between the defense forces, police, and border guards. In September 1994, an agreement on forming a joint Baltic peacekeeping battalion called Bolt-Bat was signed. Estonia actively participated in the work of the Council of Baltic Sea States to facilitate the stability of economic and political development in the Baltic region. The relationship with Russia has developed in conditions of mutual opposition. The concept of close foreign countries and defense of the foreign policy of Russia are hostile to Estonia. On political grounds, Russia has also given up economic cooperation. Various political forces in Russia have not lost hope of restoring their former empire. Relations between Estonia and Russia are made more complicated by the problem of the border because initially, Estonia proceeded on the basis of the border fixed by the Tartu Peace Treaty of 1920. The Russian side did not accept this. In February 1993, Russia adopted as its official borders the former borders of the Russian Soviet Federal Socialist Republic, with the other Union Republics of the USSR. On the 18th of June 1994, President Yeltsin issued a decree on unilateral designation of the frontier with Estonia. Further negotiations did not bring any concrete results. At the end of 1996, the Estonian delegation gave up the claim to mention the Tartu Peace Treaty and the Estonian-Russian border agreement, which meant giving up the disputed areas as well. In spite of this, Russia has not agreed to sign the border agreement. Estonian cooperation with other member states of the Commonwealth of Independent States has been more successful than with Russia. In August 1993, Estonia opened its embassy in Kyiv and has developed mutually beneficial contacts with Ukraine. Estonia has received support in its opposition to Russian claims and assisted Ukraine in integrating into Europe, as well as advising on economic reforms in Ukraine. It is interesting that at the end of this last chapter of the book, it takes time to point out how Estonia opened its embassy up in Kyiv in August 1993. And right away, Estonia began advising Ukraine with economic reforms and with integration into Europe. This may be where the book ends, but with well over 100,000 troops surrounding Ukraine, I thought it would be interesting to see how else Estonia partnered with Ukraine. Ukraine was the first aid recipient when Estonia started systematically helping other countries in 1998. Ukraine has been one of the priority countries for Estonia's development cooperation since 2006. Estonia has supported the development of Ukraine 
with more than 17 million euros in total, more than 14 million euros of which was contributed from 2014 to 2019. To add to this aid just mentioned, a few days ago, on February 18, 2022, Estonia delivered anti-tank Javelin missiles to Ukraine. These are state-of-the-art American-made missile platforms that are lightweight and shoulder-fired, which allows the person that fires the missile to run off and find cover. The hope is that the Ukrainian military won't need the missile systems, and that Russia comes to its senses and decides not to invade Ukraine. No matter what happens in Ukraine, it appears the power structure in the Baltic region has already changed. Russian troops are already in Belarus, and it looks like as if Belarus will certainly stay within Moscow's sphere of influence, which really means control. Thankfully for Estonia, the Estonians that fled the country after World War II didn't lay idle. They spoke up for their country in the United States and, of course, other countries which made the plight of Estonians known to politicians in the U.S. and elsewhere in the world, so that when Estonia became free once again, it was welcomed back in the world community rather quickly. Well, that is where we will leave the podcast for now. We are now wrapping up the third season of the podcast. I've really enjoyed covering Estonian history with a much wider audience than I really expected. When we return, it will be a much different program as we won't have the chronological timeline of the book History of Estonia to drive the narrative forward. I don't have plans to produce any episodes in the next several months unless something happens in the world that compels me to pick up the microphone early. So if you haven't, please subscribe to the podcast so that you can catch the next episode. If you would like to reach out to me, you can email me at sparsleyw at gmail.com. Or you can catch me on Twitter, at ParsleyLL. So, until next season, Nagamiseni.